1: Yeah. Thing <laughs> is <laughs> for doing. <laughs>
2: And here we are doing the last of this season's amazing AfterBuzz TV after after show for our favorite show, Hemlock Grove. We're on season one, episode 13, Birth, which is really funny how it's called Birth because there's a lot of death
3: (laughs) in this episode.
2: I'm your host, Shano, and I'm joined here by a bunch of lovely ladies in studio.
4: Hi, everyone. I'm Marissa Serapini. I'm Tiana Hobson.
0: Hi, I'm JJ Jurgens. Uh, hi, I'm Freya Tingley.
2: Oh, it sounds uh, like her mic might be a little bit. Can you try uh, yeah. connecting it? Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. But yes, uh, we have Freya Tingley in studio with us once again. Thank you so much for being yes. here, Freya. Thank
5: you for having me.
2: And uh, she plays, of course, uh, Christina Wendell on the show. It sounds like we we're still having some mic mic problems with her. Let's go ahead and fix that. But we're gonna have we have a, a lot of topics to talk about. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Shelly saving the day. Uh, we're going to maybe have Darren Serafian, who's uh, the executive, one of the executive producers and directors on the show. He's going to be calling in. We're also going to talk about how the town scapegoats Shelly, which is awful. Oh. Mm-hmm. awful. And uh, Letha, she has the child. Peter cuts his hair. Crazy stuff with that. <laughs> yeah. Man. And, uh, we get to learn more about Olivia through her flashbacks, and we get to learn about Roman's true identity and his true self.
3: Yeah.
2: All right, so let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's talk about, uh, so the episode starts, like, not the way I would have expected it to, which is, we have, like, a flashback between Christina and, and Peter, and they're having this really endearing conversation, uh, what, what did you think about that like that scene, uh, Freya? How, how did you play that scene? How, how did it feel with the big contrast between that and the final battle?
5: I loved having that scene in there. I felt that it really established the relationship between Peter and Christina and more, um, which is what they went through with the summer. They really became close friends. Um, and then, you know, it's a huge contrast between her becoming the killer and expressing all that she has to express... Uh, towards Peter, you know, from going from friends to that.
2: Now, how how much before her becoming the wolf was that that scene? Like, when was it supposed to take place?
5: That was over the summer, um, and then they went to school, and then it was towards the start of school that she uh, she was, you know, killing the girls. So,
2: okay, so. I think at the
0: beginning it said did it say six months earlier.
2: Yeah, it says. I think I think six it,
0: earlier, yeah. yeah, that's right. right.
2: And she was talking about it like she was not in high school yet. It seemed okay. like. Yeah. Yeah. Not. But uh, Stephen just let me know that we have uh, Darren on the line. Oh. Hello, Darren. Are you there?
6: Hello. Hi.
2: Hi, Hi Darren. Hi. Uh, welcome to AfterBuzz TV's Hemlock Grove podcast. Uh, this is uh, Sean O. And thank you so much for joining us, Darren.
6: Hey, Sean O. It was a pleasure.
2: Awesome. So uh, we have quite a few questions to ask you, and we wanted to thank you for joining us. Uh, let's see. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background, like where would you grow up, how did you get uh, started uh, in show business?
6: Well, I got started, uh, by the way, hi, Freya. Hi. <laughs> hi Darren. <laughs> um, I got started, I, I, I grew up in a business that was fortunate enough to have a father, um, Richard Serapian, and my uncle, Robert Altman. Um, who were, you know, i have watched them as artists in the business. And, um, and so I was just fascinated with, with, uh, with what they did. I mean, being on the set was so magical. And I just dreamed about it my whole life. And fortunately, um, I got, got to do it and am doing it. It's great.
3: Yeah.
4: Uh, hi, Darren. Thank you for calling in. Uh, this is Marissa hi hi. Um, hi Marissa hi. <laughs> you, you directed a, a good number of episodes I think 6 out of 13 the, there was more episodes than all the other directors um, how much freedom did you give the actors um, in their acting choices for their characters were, did you know allow them to come up to you with suggestions to enhance their characters and their performances were you willing to change things that weren't working
6: Absolutely not. We made them do everything. No, they they are they We were really, really fortunate to get just some really amazing artists um, to be in this show, and Freya being one of them. And they brought so much. And we were never really. One thing we did is we really looked at this. Is is you know we could make changes if we needed to, and we did. And suggestions. And it was like a piece of clay that we molded along the way.
7: Yeah, Awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Darren, this is Tiana. Hi.
6: Hi, Tiana.
7: Hi. Um, So we had your wife, Lori, in a couple weeks ago, and uh, she talked about how much she just absolutely hated working with you on set. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just wanted to ask you about your working relationship um, compared to working with the other actors. What are some of the challenges you see working with your wife on set? Because I know you guys do do... Um, you've done a few projects together before.
6: Well, that's how we met. Um, she was the lead in an ABC series and and we met working together, and I've always admired her. I thought she's one of the most amazing actresses I've ever worked with, and fell in love with her. Aww. And I always tell her, I said, mm-hmm. I fell in love with your talent first. And she's just just amazing, but you know it's funny because at home she tells me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so it's it's great, it's it's sweet revenge. I get to you know kind of boss her around, and, uh, and I have a lot of fun doing it when I get to director.
0: Hi, Darren. This is JJ. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what it was like to collaborate with Eli Roth on this project.
6: I've always been a fan of Eli's. He's he's um, Always sort of thought outside the box, and really, really liked him. And you know, when we first started this project, we uh, we had a lot of dinners and talked about it. And he's just got a very interesting, sort of offbeat sort of look at things. And it was nice to meet him because, and he's just a great guy too. He's really a fun guy. And uh, you know, basically, you know, he did his thing and then handed me the reins to this and. You know, we always, you don't you don't really want to mimic anybody because you want to bring your own style and energy to it. And I think that goes with all the other artists on the show, too. I mean, we all sort of took it in a direction that, because this show was really a living, breathing beast on its own. And it was interesting watching it grow and turn into what it did, ultimately. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. How was it working with Freya Tingley on the show?
6: <laughs> well, you know, it's illegal for me to really say what I really felt like <laughs> working with her, um, and it just—it's also pervy, so I really can't really go there. But it's uh, she's she, she's amazing, and so it's it's funny because I worked with another actor um, that we come to the set every day in character. And his name was Hugh Laurie when I directed House and produced House. And every day he would come to the set with an American accent. And then at the end of the day, in his, in, in his American accent, he said, Hey, let's go get a drink. And then you get to, you go to the bar where you're hanging out and it starts talking like this. And you're going, What? Who are you? <laughs> well, Freya was like that because Freya came to the set with this, she stayed in character and stayed in her American accent. And then when she speaks in her, Australian accent, it really throws you. They're like, who are you? Very, very very strange. But she's lovely, lovely, and she's going to have a great career ahead of her. I'm really proud of her.
4: Agreed. Now, you directed... The second episode of season one, The Angel, which has the amazing, amazing wolf transformation. I know you talked about you had a few different influences and in creating that, like such as An American Werewolf in London and The Howling. Were there any other influences in the creative aspect of executing this?
6: You know, when I when I took it on, you know, I knew I had a big challenge ahead of me because I wanted to do something that had a... Had sort of a retro vibe to it, so I did look at those. But at the same time, with technology that we have these days, and we we use Zoic um, to do all of our special effects, so I give them a lot of credit. Really, really, you know, it took time, but we got that that face bursting out of that wolf face bursting out. And that to me was everything. If we could pull that off, and we were also very lucky um, to. Uh, to have a great cinematographer that shot it. And what I told him, and this is uh, Fernando Gueyles, and I said, I don't want to do this at night. I want to do this at the end of the day, and I want that bright sun behind him. I want it to, you know, and it's hard because, listen, it, it took all day. So he had to create that bright sun to give it a new, fresh, interesting look. And then Landon, our actor, brought an energy to it. And when we talked, Landon. Said I wanted to hurt so good. I wanted to really feel like you can't tell whether it's pain or pleasure, and he just did an amazing job of of pulling that off. And it's been interesting because I've actually I'm doing another show now, and I got the show because of the transformation. I'm doing Starcross for the CW, and Andrew Nemec, who saw the uh, Andre Nemec, who saw the uh, transformation, so they got to have you do the show. So. I'm really proud of it, and I'm glad it turned out. But it took a lot of people to pull that off. One being uh, Greg Simon, who's my second unit director and associate producer, who really filmed a lot of the close-up elements, like the eyes hitting the ground and all that. And uh, it was just, you know, it turned out. It's one of those things that it really turned out. I'm super proud of it.
4: it looks amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Other than the transformation, was there any other um, any other aspect of this that was just your favorite part or any scenes or um, moments that you really are going to remember about working on the show?
6: Well, I have to say one of my favorite moments is the transformation that Freya did at the end mm-hmm. in episode 13 um, and how she just lived and breathed her transformation. I thought it was great. She went to this... Again, this is the pervy director directing her, but she went to this <laughs> very sort of... It was ecstasy for her, changing and turning into this. And it was very sexy and sexual. And it really, I felt, was a different version of it. We didn't want it to be exactly the same. We wanted it to be her version. And she took it to a, just a wonderful level. And it's funny, because my friends who see and all that, they're like, who's that actress? Oh, my God. <laughs> amazing. You know, like... Uh, but that's that was her... That to me, I think was one of the best, one of the other best moments for me was, because it was it was less about the transformation, it was more about how she got there before the transformation. Mm -hmm. Mm
4: -hmm. Um, Did you? uh, How involved were you in the casting process uh, for the show? Did you purposely go with an international cast to hopefully you know cross the whole international audience with, especially Netflix?
6: I wasn't I wasn't that involved in the very beginning of the casting? I was more involved in setting it up in, van, uh, in uh, Toronto in the all the elements of where we were going to shoot. I picked out the house that we shot in, and so you know I would see all the casting. I would see everything would come by me, and I'd have my give my two cents. I know that when we were in Toronto, um, I was very involved in casting the supplemental characters. Um, I know, uh, I mean, which we had some terrific, terrific actors from, uh, Toronto that were just, just amazing. But, uh, I would say I give a lot of credit to Brian McGreevy and Lee Shipman and, uh, Eli Roth for really finding those, the substantial characters in in the show.
2: With the Vargulf versus the werewolf scene near the end, um, or rather in the beginning of episode thirteen, how how did you guys film that scene? Like, how did you guys get like some actual wolves and like film them for a little bit? Did you do a combination of wolf and CGI?
6: Well, we did. Yes, we did a combination of, of real wolf and CGI. If I had to do it again, I don't think I'd use real wolves because they're very difficult. It took us five days to shoot that mm-hmm. sequence and. They're very difficult, and in fact, you know, when I was talking to the trainers, they said you got to be really patient because you can't train a wolf. You, have, you negotiate with them, and um, which I thought was really interesting. And they kept throwing food at them, and I'm like, going, "Stop throwing food! I can't get a shot!" <laughs> <laughs> and they keep eating, and then and then when they're done eating, they don't want to even they won't give you the time of day. <laughs> so you know, and that, I think I think you know if I had to do it again all over, I probably would have used half breeds, but those are real wolves They're very dangerous. And we had a, and, and what's interesting is like they, the trainers would tell us if you'll, you'll notice that the wolves will pick one person out and usually both wolves will be looking or the pack wolves will be looking at that same person, like, like a, like a lamb about to be slaughtered, you know? And, and it's true, and then when they focus on you, when you're with a crew and you're sitting there, it's a scary, eerie feeling. They're just because they look right through you
2: Wow, that sounds pretty scary. Yeah. Now what, what about a little bit later, after uh, the wolves are, are both dead? Well, nearly dead, uh, there's that one scene where uh, Letha's character, she's, she's on she starts hugging Peter's wolf. Now what about that? Was that, kind of, was that a doll or like a robot?
6: We, we gave her a bunch of drinks. We said, go hug the wolf. <laughs> <laughs> just a big puppy. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and, it, and then she did. I said, I was just kidding. She <laughs> um, said, uh, what, were you crazy? No, that was a stuffed. It was a stu- what we call a stuffy. And um, from another gentleman that, that uh, provided us with the stuffed wolves and what we did CGI, we got them to blink and we got them to breathe. And CGI, all the faces because they didn't look like that for real. All those mouths, all those growls, all those dangerous-looking eyes—that was all CG. And you know, my thing was, I really wanted to look real. I don't want them to look like CG characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's expensive. You look at biggest movies on the planet uh, that do this, and it's hard to pull it off. And we had a limited budget. And I have to say, Zoic really, really did a great job. Mm-hmm making those wolves look mean and real and having personalities. And then we enlarge them. We had them each one. We had them slightly bigger. If you saw the original footage before all the stuff we did to those wolves, it, they, they're they a lot smaller and they look very docile. They didn't look dangerous. Mm.
3: Um
4: I know you. You and Eli always mentioned that the style of Hemlock Grove is very much like Twin Peaks, with the slow establishing zoom shots and tilts and pans and whatnot. And I kind of I picked that up, but then I also noticed a little bit of Hitchcock elements to it too, like such as The Crucible, when the particular scene when Christina is mauling Tyler. There, it's very fast paced editing, and you don't really see her scratching the skin. It's like type of on the surface, just like um, Psycho, with you can um you know Norman Bates when he's stabbing you. You only see it on the surface, and you only see like blood uh, as you know fast and whatnot, and, and it let the audience use their imagination of how uh, severe it was. And I kind of got a Hitchcock esque feel to that. And then in um, Children of the Night, there was the shot of a stuffed owl. So did you add some? Hitchcock esque elements to it.
6: You know, it's it's. You know, I got the opportunity years ago. I directed a film in, in Russia, and it starred Roman Polanski. And I got to direct Polanski. And I was in communist Russia with Polanski, and really got to really bend his ear. And ask him a lot of questions. I watch every movie he did with him, and I yeah I, I like a lot of the, there's some Hitchcock elements in there, but I would I would lend my work and what I was going after was more of a Polanski vibe, and um, it because the characters there are very serious, but there's a slight sense of humor to it. And when I when I when I uh, you know, there was a point where I was working with Polanski, it's a funny story, you know, I was trying to figure out how to direct the sequence and I wanted that feeling and I was going around trying to figure it out and Roman goes, son, what's wrong with you? He said, well, I want to do this right. I mean, I, I know there's a right way to do this and I want to get that feeling like you had knife, like in knife on water and, and, uh, this movie, by the way, is called back in the USSR with Frank Whaley and Natalia Nagoda. And he goes, I'm going to give you the, he goes, I'm going to give you the best advice you're ever going to get. There's a thousand ways to do it right, and there's a thousand ways to do it wrong. Just pick one.
3: <laughs> and so then I finished.
6: The this is the movie. This is the movie that I did, you know, in Russia. And so he goes, and I went back to him at the end of the day. I said, "Thank you." cheers in my eyes. I go, "You freed me as a director." I mean, I, I get it now. Just pick one. You're right. He goes, "That's nice, son, but you picked the wrong one." <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> So you know, and so we we're always still dealing with that. But just to get back to your question, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of of all those, all Hitchcock and and you know, I I feel like there's a lot of elements of The Shining in it too that we really liked. And then there's movies like Enter the Void that I that is one of my favorite films that I really loved. I love the camera moves and and um, and the slow sort of. The slow, but instead of speeding up sometimes something, sometimes it's better to slow it down and it feels faster. And we did a lot of that and had kept that in mind.
2: Very well. Uh, okay. let, we're going to wrap it up with the next couple of questions. Uh, Darren, uh, what's the biggest difference for you uh, directing the show for Netflix versus working for conventional mediums like television and feature films?
6: I got to do exactly what I wanted to do. I mean, I really, really got to do what I felt like I wanted to do. I'm so proud of the show, and I'm really happy it got picked up. I'm sad I'm not coming back this next season, going off to do something else. But, you know, we got to do what we wanted to do. And I mean, if you talk to David Fincher as well, I mean, they're they're very hands-off and and very encouraging. And the show's doing well because of it, I think. Um, it's a 13-episode it's a, it's a movie, and and you've got to watch all 13, and it really works. I'm so proud of it, Pr- proud of all the actors who did a great job, and Freya, especially you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
7: do you think that uh, what Netflix is doing here with the 13-hour movie field, do you think that's the future of television?
6: You know, it's always going to change. Right now, it seems to be working. <clears throat> I think, you know, I think people... People want to sit down and if you're going to tell a long story a story through thirteen now this wouldn't have worked if it was on week to week to week it would have been canceled probably right away because you needed to see the whole show together three or four at a time mm-hmm. and right now it is, but the future it'll change again so it'll be there'll be another way to watch TV but right now it seems to be working
4: now um Netflix has had House of Cards and that recently came out on DVD this month in June is Hemlock Grove going to be released out on DVD with maybe bonus features bloopers
3: yeah
4: (laughs) Yeah, I
6: I haven't been told that but uh, but I cannot imagine that they would not do that excellent
2: what other projects do you have uh, going on right now or in the near future Darren
6: well I'm going to do I'm going to do the Rocky Marciano story it's going to be a six part miniseries Okay. And uh, right now we're talking to networks about that and I'm going to do right now I'm doing Hell on Wheels I'm doing two episodes of Hell on Wheels. Yes, love for that show. And um and then I go off to do I do Starcrossed for the CW which I'm super psyched about and uh it's a terrific project. It's 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 a it's an, it's an a- alien high school Romeo and Juliet story. And it's so wonderful. And uh, I just love the pilot. I'm really happy to be on it.
3: Oh, that sounds Thank fascinating. You, yeah.
2: So, uh, what social media platforms are you most active on right now? And, uh, where can our fans from Afterbus TV follow you?
6: Hi, I'm on Twitter with my spelled my way, D E R A N S A R A F I A N. And, uh, and that's it. That's, that's, I've been on there, I just got on there today, and uh, I've been taking pictures of, because we're shooting in Calgary in the floods, and everything that's going on over our set almost got washed away mm-hmm. last week, and, um, but uh, that's where they can find me.
2: Oh, excellent. Well, Darren Serafian, uh, the executive producer and director for Hemlock Grove, thank you so much for joining us here at AfterBuzz TV.
6: Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it, and good luck. Your show's fantastic. Oh, thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you very
4: much. Thank you. Awesome last name.
2: Yeah.
6: <laughs> 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 like I like, <okay>, right? <laughs> yeah.
4: Okay. Thank
5: you,
2: Darren. Awesome. Oh,
5: he was great. Yeah. 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 Oh, that was fun. You, and
2: you, work, you worked with him very closely. <laughs> him?
5: Yeah, yeah. He's he's a great director. He was one of my favorites because he was just so passionate and poured his whole heart and soul into what we were doing. and um doing that final scene, you know, where I transform, he was just allowed me to be very free with the material and not feel like I had to stick to what the line
7: said. So he was great. Um, I have a question about that last scene. Yes. Um, I know your mom was around a lot. Was she on set that day? Was that
3: awkward? (laughs)
7: No, she wasn't. No. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I, the whole time I, while we were, while I was watching it, I was like, oh, my God, if her mom was right there, how awkward is that? She's <laughs> moaning. And, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on.
2: <laughs> Let's actually kind of stay, like, on a similar wavelength. So you were naked. Was that you? No, no. Okay, that wasn't a, you.
5: A body double, yes.
2: Oh, I see. Okay, all right. That's, that settles that.
5: <laughs> I was going to say, how
2: did they cover you up in the sensitive areas? <laughs> That's fascinating. Okay, so um, getting back to what happened with the um, the final the final battle. So uh, Roman, he, he's trying to fight off the Vargolf. He's trying to fight her off and she ends up breaking the axe it flies across the room there's no way he's going to use that thing right mm-hmm. and then whoo peter like he's not dead he comes up and it's like a uh, black wolf versus the white wolf going on mm-hmm. and he gets incapacitated too and we see black boots coming towards <laughs> towards the fight scene and it's shelly mm-hmm. and i don't know about you guys but i didn't expect shelly to be there did did anybody
0: I did not either. I did not see no. that coming.
2: No. How mm-hmm. did she know that it was like it was going down?
7: Um, well, in the previous episode, I know that Norman had told her where they were. So maybe she just had a bad feeling and started when she took off running. Which how do you lose Shelly? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think she, she just headed straight for there to go protect her brother and her friends.
4: I, I find it interesting how Shelly. doesn't seem like she'll hurt a fly, but when it comes to protecting family, she'll do anything to, you know, stop evil from hurting them.
0: Yeah, I was so surprised. I mean, I know she's strong and and big, but just the way she just snapped your neck, I just did not, you know, I at least thought there might be a little struggle too, but it was just boom (laughs) over so quickly, and I I was not expecting that.
2: Now, question for you, Freya. Do you think that Shelly knew that Christina was the white wolf?
5: No. I don't think anybody knew. Yeah. Until, you know, the very end.
2: Yeah, until the very end. And then she, so she gets in there, she snaps her neck so fast, and it's like, mm-hmm. boom, it's over. Mm-hmm. So that was, man, that was so quick, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad it ended quickly, because then we get to wrap up, and we get to have, like, a falling action for the rest of the episode, pretty mm-hmm. much. And another surprise, sworns up on the balcony with his shotgun, and he shoots Shelly twice. Which I was confused
0: at at first, because I didn't realize that you had already turned back into you, mm-hmm. you know, so quickly. So I was like, why is he doing that? Why is he <laughs> shooting her? I'm like yelling at the TV, and I'm like, oh, I get it. He thinks that, you know, she was the one harming all the, the girls. And so yeah. I put it together. But uh, yeah, another thing that they did a great job of having some surprises. Yeah, and now they're putting the murders on Shelly. Poor girl. Poor thing. And the the
4: sad thing is that Sworn is the sheriff. He's the guy that everyone will listen to. So if he says it, it's probably true. Mm -hmm. Sadly enough.
3: Yeah,
2: I feel like his, his daughter's deaths were the catalyst. And it and Christina was like a daughter to him too. Mm-hmm. And that really pushed him over the edge even further cuz imagine he's like in this crazed state already from the previous episodes mm-hmm. and he comes in there and he sees this monstrously huge Shelly like over uh, dead Christina's body and but the thing is like didn't you see that there's a wolf there right next to them and then you know when you, wouldn't you think he would have pieced that together like oh it wasn't her it was probably the wolf
0: I think it's a lot of passion, too, at that point. Like, he made the comment at the funeral, like, he was able to at least put bullets in for each of his girls, you know, but that other yeah. people didn't get to do that. So I think his just instincts were taken over, too. Like, it's... it's all he could do to like get some sort of revenge or redemption for everybody is to just yeah, he, <laughs> shoot her up. <laughs> he was
7: definitely in the shoot first, ask questions yeah. later exactly, um, yep. state of mind. But at the funeral, when he said that, I got confused because I was like, oh, well, Christina's like a daughter to him. So maybe I missed a gunshot and he shot three times, but he still only shot twice. So then I was like, well, maybe Christina... I don't know if that was, like, foreshadowing because of what happens at the end of the episode or <laughs> what, but yeah. it just kind of... I don't know, that kind of bugged me that he said that, and then he didn't get that third shot in for Christina because she was kind of like a daughter to him.
2: Now, I yeah. wanted to fast-forward a little bit since we were still talking about Christina a lot. Uh, so at the end, if if you guys at home, if you watched after the credits, you get to see something really <laughs> fascin- fascinating. And this is... A spoiler alert, by the way. So, uh, pretty much.
3: (laughs)
0: SPOILER ALERT!
2: (laughs) Yes. So, pretty much at the end of the credits, it shows Christina Wendell's grave, and as it gets closer to the grave, you hear Christina screaming. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So, here's a question, Freya Is Christina
7: alive still?
5: Uh, we'll have to see. What do I say? to wait see?
3: <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oh.
5: I hope, she doesn't, run out of,
7: I hope she doesn't run out of air down there because you know, <laughs> she shouldn't be screaming so much because she's going to run out of oxygen faster. And mm-hmm. I hope that someone hears her screams because I kind of feel like season two could pick up right there
3: mm-hmm.
7: with maybe someone hearing her screams and digging her up. Yeah.
3: Or
4: maybe she turns back into... A werewolf crawls oh, herself up. Claws
8: out of there. Yes, <laughs> yeah, she was pretty strong. Can the random guy from the booth say something? Go ahead, Stephen. Remember uh, remember the uncle? He has to have his head cut off after he's dead or strange things happen.
7: Oh. oh that's true. That's right. Because Stranger in the booth with knowledge. <laughs> yeah.
3: Because
2: <laughs> Peter got attacked, and it looked like he was dying. Like, yeah. It, it pretty much looked like he died, and he still got revived somehow, so the the wolf powers, man, they really do a number on the human body.
4: I don't think Christina's dead. I don't, I don't even she think she's <laughs> dead.
2: Well let me just say it's gonna be awesome. To, if if you come back for season two, it's gonna be fascinating.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait.
2: <laughs> well, anyway, so that the town totally scapegoats Shelly. And we even on the radio we hear Norman listening to it and he's just he, we get to hear, like, the town's perspective. Pretty much everybody is pinning everything on Shelly. And it's just, it's horrible for me to hear that because we all know as the audience, we know what's really happening. But then at the same time, it's the characters are really accepting it.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: But we don't get to see Shelly's perspective. What, what do you guys think was going through Shelly's mind?
4: Yeah, I think it's sad because we know that Shelley can't really speak, so she can't verbally defend herself. And then the fact that her her mother is rearranging this whole setup with sworn and saying, oh, yeah, it is her fault. You know, even her own mother's yeah. turning mm-hmm. on her, which I, I find that kind of sad. I, I kind of would, okay. would want to
7: run away, too. Yeah, I was kind of yeah. mad that Olivia wasn't more concerned that her daughter had run off and no one knows where she was. She was shot twice. Is she alive? Is she dead? They cleared out her room really fast too. Yes, they empty out that room like Damn. there was nothing in there. But it's like, gone. dang! If I came yeah. home and my mom had done that <laughs> yeah. to me, I'd be like, wow, did I mean anything to you? <laughs>
4: the, the thing is, in the book, after the whole transformation fighting Vargolf scene. Actually, six months pass. Oh, so, okay. and Shelley has ran off. So, sh- technically, Shelley's been gone for six months. Okay, oh. that makes so, more sense. Yeah, yeah. Big I don't time think lag. they ever said yeah. that in this
0: episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah not I the, the same episode. thing. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, I was like,
7: Olivia's been busy. She had movers <laughs> yeah. come in to take everything out already. There's a hospital bed like earlier yeah. that morning in there still. So, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Now I wanted to ask Marissa: In the book, is did it turn out the same way? Did Shelley end up killing the Vargolf?
4: Yes. Okay. Should, will we hear will we read that Shelley snaps the neck of the Vargulf, and then she runs off.
2: Uh, they mentioned something else interesting at the funeral. Uh, there was a conversation between Norman and uh, Letha, and I, I, he said she said something, or he said something like, "I want your childhood back for you." Right? Something mm-hmm. like along those lines. And I realized, like, Shelly, Peter, Roman, Letha, Christina, they all had such a really terrible, like, <laughs> summer and fall. And it just, they, they ended up, like, everybody ended up growing up, which was mm-hmm. really fascinating.
4: Yeah, and you can see the character progression throughout all these episodes, too. Because at the beginning, even um, the four... Uh, so the flashback scene at the beginning of tonight's episode when we see Christina talking to Peter. You can tell she's, she's this immature girl. She's laughing okay. at the word balls mm-hmm. and whatnot and she has this hatred towards women. So you can see that that young immaturity level in like all these characters but now after everything has gone down that they've grown up a bit.
0: Yeah, I actually have a question for you. Talking about Mm -hmm. character progressions, do you think, because I still feel like it's that Olivia seems to be putting a spell on Norman, just, and especially in this last episode, because I think he was such a strong character in the beginning, and then towards the end, he's just really getting, like, being dominated by her. Mm -hmm. Um, What's your feeling on that?
5: Hmm. I don't know. There's definitely something creepy creepy going on with her. I honestly have no idea. I'm with everyone else, you know? Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. How how was it working
2: in those scenes? Because uh, during the last half of the season, you had a lot of scenes, mm-hmm. mostly with uh, degree Scott Norman. Yeah. And how, how was it working with him?
5: He's great. He's a very internal person, but he's very thoughtful as well. And, um, yeah, I did have a few scenes with him, and it was great to just, um, I don't know, just be able to work with somebody of his calibre. It was great.
2: Now, on kind of a different note, last time we were discussing, like, we weren't... Sh- or I'm not sure for um, if Christina knew she was the Vargolf and knew she was doing these murders. Did she know?
5: It was a gradual pro- progression throughout the series, and by episode 12, she became completely aware that it was her. Yeah. It's, it's like a sort of split personality thing, so the Vargolf is a metaphor and symbol for what we have inside all of us that's not necessarily us but it's a part of us and so she wasn't aware of that side of herself that manifested itself and um yeah and then episode 12 she finally knew
2: (laughs) (laughs) wow um well speaking of knowing stuff everybody needs to know about (laughs) our new website so go to AfterBuzzTV.com and guess what? It's going to be different now. It, it's totally updated. It looks amazing. Right, Marissa? Yes. What, what are some yes. of the big changes that we made to the website? Um,
4: We have old past episodes now on the website. You can comment right there on the website. So, you know, find Hemlock Grove, comment. And you can also watch the video and download on iTunes right from the website.
2: Oh, so it makes it a lot more streamlined.
4: Mm-hmm. And there's pictures, too. So you can see everything we're talking about.
2: Yay, pictures! (laughs) (laughs)
4: Pictures are fun. Everyone likes pictures.
2: So, uh, Letha ends up having the baby, and, Mm. um... Was it just me, or did it seem like Dr. Price kind of, like, didn't care so much, like, right at the beginning? He's, like, washing his hands, taking his mm-hmm. sweet time, mm-hmm. right?
0: And that cold look in the mirror. And what doctor delivers wearing a three-piece suit, or... Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and, where are the scrubs? Yeah. And
7: earlier in the season, didn't he say something about not being the type of doctor who delivers babies to Olivia when she said, I want to put, like, the... The wing. The wing uh, in? Yeah. Didn't he say something about, like, I'm not that kind of doctor, like, I don't deliver babies? Yeah. So what was he doing there anyways? <laughs> maybe he
2: was just gonna supervise the whole birth because
7: they were maybe. paging for a doctor day. Doctor day, yeah. yeah. I was who's like, that? Who's that? I've That's
3: never not heard that in name the book before. either.
4: That's not in the book. So I'm like, maybe we'll see him in the future. Yeah. But if you think about it, they're at the white tower. We have learned yeah. that white is not a good color. <laughs> yeah. So you know something's not gonna go right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some. Um,
2: and it didn't go right because the next scene we see. Letha is complete. She's by herself. Why did they leave her there on the bed bleeding? Just, like, blood oozing everywhere. Oh, my God. That was sick.
0: And she was moving so much before. It's like I was almost picturing, like, a dragon to come out or something. So <laughs> <laughs> that belly was really, like, yeah. moving. I'm mm-hmm. like, there's, like, some animal in there or something. Creature. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I
2: wanted to backtrack a little bit. There, I loved the interaction between Christina and Letha last episode. So yeah. when... Okay, we, we were talking about how creepy it was when you were, like, in the backyard. Right. And then you came inside and you were like, stupid effing little... <laughs> how did you play that scene for you?
5: Um, It wasn't written like that. I think it was something... I think nothing was said actually originally and then Darren came up to me and he said "Um, can you say this and I was like yes I can say that (laughs) let's do it bring it on Um, and it was fun you know because it just gradually reveals what eventually happens
2: it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it like, yeah, it was like. Yeah, it was like it was a foreshadowing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it, that episode it took us like on a roller coaster. We think she's creepy, and then we're like, oh, okay, she's getting more innocent. Maybe she's not the killer. <laughs> yeah. Maybe everything's okay. <laughs> and then, right. And then well, eventually we get to see what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting back to Letha and her baby. So uh, Norman, he, he ends up grabbing her body, takes her out to Price, and he's like, save her, save save my baby. And he's like, well, what about the other baby? He's like, I don't care. And mm-hmm. this was the first time we get to see this kind of interaction between Norman and Dr. Price. Mm-hmm. And this, Norman was like totally asking Price, like seriously, like he was asking like a man desperate to sign a deal with the devil.
4: Begging, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Totally begging. And I, I just thought it was so fascinating. What, what did you guys think about that scene?
7: I liked that scene because it kind of showed Norman finally kind of giving in to Price's um, ways of doing things because he's so desperate at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, he just lost his daughter, um, that he is asking for the one thing that he's been trying to destroy and stay away from this whole time. So it's kind of, you know, you see how exactly how desperate he is because he's been fighting Dr. Price the whole season, and now he's the only person who he thinks can help save his daughter. Mm
0: -hmm. I also loved, I loved how raw it was. And I loved how like his line where he's like, F that baby, she's my baby, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was like, I just thought that was a great moment about how how father would feel about his daughter. And it's like, he he just wanted to protect her and keep her safe and he couldn't.
4: Yeah. Um, I, I found it sad and heartbreaking, but interesting how you see the whole power shift from Mm -hmm. Norman to price. Price now has the upper hand and, uh, Norman says this line that she's getting cold. And if you think about it, Olivia, when she killed Chasseur, she says, I kept the body warm for mm-hmm. you. So it makes me think that um, Price experiments on bodies that are still relatively fresh, freshly mm-hmm. dead, I guess you can say. <laughs> but um, the, the thing is that... Uh, sorry, what was I going to say? He, he says that Letha wasn't... Um, it, is too old, mm-hmm. which is I think bull. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we, at the end of the episode, we yeah. see him take Olivia, who, who is older. He's he took Chassor, who was older. So I think he still has Letha's body.
3: Yeah,
2: and who who knows what he's going to do with that, or even with the baby? At this point, we we get to see later on that the baby is, and it, how it did, must be the
7: baby that's it, in the attic, right? Yeah, would you yeah. guys think so? Okay, yeah. but how did they? Because After he said, you know, I'd have better luck with the baby than with um, Letha, I was under the impression that the baby didn't survive either. And then all of a sudden, Olivia had the baby. So I was a little confused about all that. And I still want to see this baby because... (laughs) <laughs> um. Yeah. That's I right. Don't, I don't feel right calling it a baby yet <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know exactly what it is.
0: Yeah, I was too. I didn't know if Olivia and Price, like, worked something out mm-hmm. then or if she snuck into the hospital, you know, the tower and got the baby or what. That That threw me a little bit too.
2: Yeah, it's gonna be fascinating to see what the baby looks like because so far well, she seemed to care about the baby, number one. And so far the only we know that the only babies or rather children she's cared about are the ones that have disfigurements. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Roman had the call, right? And then we had Shelly, look look at the way she is. She's got like this humongous, like insectoid eye, right? And there was so oh,
4: uh, another thing, sorry, is that uh, Shelly was also born with the cult too. They mentioned that in oh. the book, oh. so that that completely makes sense. Because um, then why would Shelly still be alive yeah. if she wasn't born with the cult? Uh-huh. Olivia would have killed her.
0: True.
2: Yeah, and even uh, Olivia, we saw. Um, With her flashbacks, that she had some kind of disfigurement too. She had that tail thing Mm -hmm. on her spine, Mm -hmm. and and now we know that's what was that scar, uh That yeah, that 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 scar, that scar that was on her back that Norman was like touching before, right? After Mm -hmm. they finished their rendezvous. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Peter cuts his hair, and uh, he looks so different with his head like completely shaved. Right? Why do you guys think he cut his hair like that?
4: He's on the run. He wants to change his image, change his past. I think most people usually change their physical appearance Mm -hmm. when something major has happened Mm -hmm. to them as a a means to, like, forgetting about the past, like, what happened. So I think it's just, you know, he's changing his image.
5: Yeah, starting afresh and getting rid of that hair, which is kind of like werewolf hair. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: that's a good point. Uh, do you think that Christina would have liked him better with his hair?
5: Or <laughs> she... oh, um, I have no idea what she would have liked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she probably just likes Peter's personality. Yeah,
5: overall, huh? uh, yeah. It's all about the personality. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I feel like it. It was really well for men um, getting older and like cutting hair off. It's kind of like symbolic for maturing and getting older, mm-hmm. and, and transitioning from being a boy to being a man, and I, f- I feel like he's grown up a lot, and he, he was a senior anyway in high school, but this this whole event, the last several months in Hemlock Grove has just really aged him a lot, I feel. Mm-hmm. And it's it's changed him in, in a lot of ways. For, for the worst, in some ways, and for better in others.
0: Mm-hmm. A question for you real quick about yeah. the werewolf thing. How far in advance did you have the scripts? Like, did you know from the beginning that that was you, or was that a uh, realize, you know, a discovery as you went through the season. Right.
5: Well, after I was cast, my manager said, read the book. Um, something wow. happens with your character. So I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah, so then I knew, and I read the book, and um, but I didn't know how that was going to be written, and, you know, we weren't getting scripts until, like, say, a week before. Mm. So it was uh, spontaneous. <laughs> nice.
7: Wow. Um, I had a question for everyone. Peter, in this episode, after he Kind of died as a wolf and came back. All of a sudden, he was having some really good ESP kind of moments. Uh, <laughs> was that something right. that he always had, or does it have to do? Do you think with like him changing outside of the full moon and possibly dying and coming back to life? You
4: know, in the book they mentioned because near the end of the episode, we hear Linda talking about this story of urinating this long red ribbon. Mm-hmm. Well, in mm-hmm. the book, that um, symbolized um, you would have he would have heightened. Um, senses in his chakras, his head chakra, which was called like Swadishta. I'm gonna put it that <laughs> word, but it's pretty much like the heightened senses of knowing things. And so, because that confused me too, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I reread it, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is why he's understanding things are gonna happen before they actually do, because okay. his hi- his senses are just heightened. Okay, yeah, that's
2: right. And you're you're referring to that scene where he's in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, well, or- there and was the pages like come up at him, and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. and he pulls his phone like, out, yeah. and he like already has it in his hand, ready to answer right away. Yeah,
7: that was at um, Destiny's. at Destiny's house, yeah. and then oh, that was at Destiny's yeah, place. He Destiny right? got the phone call, and then he shot up from in the hospital right before they started paging crazy things about Letha mm-hmm. and stuff, and. So it just, I was like, wow, he's got, yeah. he's got like the mm-hmm. magic right now. Like, he he just knows things are happening. That's right.
2: Yep. Oh, and, and another thing, he even saw that vision of Shelly when they were driving yeah. down the road.
7: Yeah. And he saw her in
2: two forms, in her, in her uh-huh. earthly form, and he saw her in her catabasis form too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Um let's let's talk about Olivia's flashbacks. So we finally get to know how, at least a better idea of how old she is. Uh, what what uh what period do you guys think that was?
7: I don't know, but anything that starts off with in a faraway land <laughs> <laughs> means it was a very long time ago.
2: A little allusion
7: to once upon a time. Yeah. That's, that's what I picked up on. <laughs>
4: Yeah, they, they never really give a specific date either in the book. And you can see in the newspaper at the end of the episode, oh, okay. um, Olivia says, age unknown. <laughs> so we really right. don't know. Hmm.
2: Wow. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say late 1800s, mm-hmm. early 1900s.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It seemed, seems.
2: it seemed kind of like that. That seems about right. To me. But uh, yeah. a little interesting side note from that episode, or from that flashback, uh, where is it in my notes? Uh, gosh. Uh, okay, anyway. So, I'm just gonna do it off the top of my head. <laughs> so... Kiara, uh, Kiara Glasgow, she's the actress that plays uh, young Olivia, and I actually have been watching the show um, that's on the BBC called Copper, and she's in that too. Oh. So it's so funny to see her, and both the shows are filmed, Hemlock Grove and Copper are filmed in Canada. Uh-huh. Oh. So she's, she's a Canadian actress, and she's getting a
7: lot of work. It's basically, <laughs> move to Canada if you want to be an actor oh, yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> that place has happened. Yeah.
2: It is. Uh, so we, we also get to see in the flashback, she, um, Olivia... It was kind of funny how they didn't say it was Olivia right away. Like, mm-hmm. even though she was telling yeah. the story. And
7: dressed in all white.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, dressed in all white. <laughs> where you had to kind of, like, watch a few minutes of the flashback to, like, learn that it was Olivia. And, like, the father had to say it right Hey, mm-hmm. Olivia, Olivia mm-hmm. And something, something. Anyway, um, she ends up um, being with a gypsy boy, right? Mm-hmm. Dimitri. Mm-hmm. Dimitri. Dimitri, and he steals all her stuff, which is terrible totally stereotyping the gypsies right there. <laughs> <laughs>
4: the gypsies run. But then they have a baby, when she has a baby, yeah. mm-hmm. nine months later, and the baby is named Magdalena. And if you recall, Magdalena is um, a Roman check. She is like the great-great-grandmother of Nikolai, wow. which, which wow. means that Peter and Roman are technically related.
0: I was going to ask
7: Mm. if, like, the Dimitri boy or something, if maybe we thought he was, like, a descendant from um, Peter's family, that somehow these families had... Been fighting or whatever they are with each other for all these years. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad mm-hmm. you pointed that out because now it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mind yeah, mind blown. Mind uh, blown. I
4: reread that. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that didn't click the first <laughs> no, time. I totally <laughs> missed <Right>. that
0: one.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. Good job, Marissa. Yeah. <laughs> well done.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Thankfully, I, yeah, yeah. you know, the book. Thank God for the book. Thank you for
2: the <laughs> So, speaking of familial stuff, we get to learn Roman's true self. And within that, we learned that he was the angel Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. impregnated his cousin. (laughs) Yuck. You are the
3: father. (laughs)
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) And didn't somebody uh, have a little premonition during our episodes here at After Buzz? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: I was like, what (laughs) if? A few episodes ago, I was like, what if he's using his compelling power and he actually compelled her to believe it was an angel? And that's exactly what... Happen so I'm gonna give myself a little pat on the back. Good job, Thanks. Yes. Nice. And I didn't I didn't even think about it after I said that on our, <laughs> on our show, and it ended up happening, which is crazy.
0: Now, do you think that was all on his own, or do you think Olivia had a part in making that happen?
2: You know, I, I don't mm. think Olivia would have had very much to do with it.
0: No, I think that he just was seemed th- surprised
4: to me by it. Yeah, I think it was him glamming. Well, actually, in the book, I realized what the term the proper term they call it's called ecstas, which is like a derivative of ecstasy so it makes sense like um heightened you know sexual pleasure intense pleasure so if he was doing that while he was impregnating letha then maybe it was just roman's actions and Mm
5: -hmm. olivia had nothing to do with it
2: freya were you at all surprised that roman ended up being the angel
5: well, it's hard because, you know, I'd read the book and then I w- I knew all the secrets as we were filming, so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what about when you were reading the book? Were you like, oh, wow, he was the one who impregnated her by the, by the end?
5: No, I think I was just kind of like slowly taking it all in. You know, it's a very complicated book, so I was like reading things two or three times before I even got it. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, I can't, I can't even remember. It was It was like over a year ago now when I read it.
2: So he ends up uh, what while he's with the baby there in the attic, like Tiana mentioned, completely cleared out. <laughs> and it's, it's how creepy is it that there's all these black candles yeah. and like the 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 black baby basket or whatever okay. it is, right? Bassinet. Bassinet. I'm a, I'm a guy, so I don't. know. <laughs> <laughs> and then what the what, whatever the stuff is that just like the sh- the sheets that are around that mm. are like really translucent, you can see through them. Anyway, so just the whole thing was creepy, and the attic was so dark, and Roman, he realizes what's happening, and he's kind of like, no, I I need to be like a warrior, you know? Uh, Like the premonition that Destiny had earlier, and Mm -hmm. then when he was remembering about Shelley uh, saying that to him, too, in her catabasis form... Um, And he did the right thing with slitting his wrists the correct way to kill yourself. Uh (laughs) Going vertical Uh instead of across. And there was so much blood. So much blood. Yeah. 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 We haven't seen that much blood since last episode with Peter getting his face eaten off. Mm -hmm.
4: I think it's interesting how the blood went upwards Uh up the walls Mm and not down on the floor Mm -hmm. into
2: wings. Angel wings. Yeah, why do you guys think it did that? Do you think it was just like they were just doing it for like impressionistic purposes? Freya?
5: I think there's a lot of metaphors throughout the show that sort of symbolise in evil there's good and in good there's evil and you know we usually think of angels as being good and you know coming from heaven and um, you know there's definitely evil in Roman and there's good and it's sort of um, showing that angels could be bad as well.
2: That's actually fascinating mm-hmm. that you say that because he went through this journey. Roman was, like, this bad kid, like, mm-hmm. having sex with random chicks and, like, cutting himself, doing drugs. He goes into his catabasis. He comes out of it. He's, like, a changed man, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He, like, turns over a new leaf. But, <laughs> but then we, in this last episode, he ends up being bad again. I feel like he's turned and he walked down the stairs um, mm-hmm. After that whole scene, and I want to talk more about that scene too. But he walks down the stairs, and he's just totally dressed in black, completely mm-hmm. yeah. in black, and it feels like he's gonna be uh, like this this tyrannical ruler of the Godfrey Institute <laughs> yeah. and and Hemlock Grove. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah.
7: Gosh, I thought I he did such a good thing. I completely read that scene in a completely different way. Oh, would you? Think? I saw him as protecting his child from his mother and kind of like saving the day type of thing and that he made the right choice in not doing what Olivia wanted and instead choosing his own path to go down.
2: You know what that's the beautiful mm. thing about the show because yeah. it's so
7: ambiguous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's well, like, wow, I didn't even think about it your way. I
0: I thought about it your way as well but then I agree with you that when he was coming down the steps I thought oh he's like getting a taste of this like like the evilness and loving it and then mm-hmm. um, I didn't I thought I wrote it down but um, Olivia had like a warning line right at the end where uh, where she was saying like with with the crown comes the uh, something yeah. and I hope you crowns
7: co- uh, crown comes with a price I hope you're ready for yeah, it. yeah so then
0: I thought oh now this whole war is gonna start back with you know. Yeah. with the um
2: the Godfrey's <laughs> and everybody hating them
0: well yeah not even just that but then like the bishop and all those people that are about I thought that was going to create all those kind of wars again
2: that's right and they they did have that scene with the bishop yeah. and Michael Chasseur and he totally points mm-hmm. the finger mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. Roman he says mm-hmm. he's the one that killed your sister
7: not, not no. yeah this, I'm totally team yeah. Roman right now. And I'm like, no, he didn't do it. It was Olivia. And someone needs to set the record straight. And, like, you better not come after Roman now. And I used to hate him. And now I'm like, no, team Roman, let's go.
2: Michael's going to avenge Shish Sword's death. Oh, yeah.
4: In mm-hmm. some shape
2: or form. I don't think he'll be able to. Like, every time you... How- Okay, if these are obviously not the typical lupiers, these vampires—they're—they're they're not typical, right? So they can walk around during the day, and
3: they—that's <laughs> <laughs> the
2: most obvious one. And uh, they're when he like kills himself. Well, he killed himself, and he ends up coming back, but then he. All he does is take his mom's tongue out, and she ends up dying?
0: That's what confused me, too. I'm like, how was she able to die from that? Because I would have expected, knowing her, she could just grow it back. Yeah, (laughs) So so I'm like, wow, she really is dead.
4: That didn't happen in the book, either. Uh So I wonder why they threw that in there. Maybe just like to show Roman has power over Olivia now? But that doesn't does not happen in the book and we know that pumpkin Jensen's is gonna be back. Yeah. So. Um and
7: like Marissa was talking about that um newspaper article, and in there after it says that Olivia's age is unknown, it just says that she's being um she's reported as missing right now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she's Bobby. not being reported as dead, so I'm not believing that she's actually dead. dead.
4: And we see that price has her body yeah. too, yeah. so uh, she's not dead. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no. <laughs> Oh, uh, before we head into our news and gossip, I wanted to also mention that we got to see Ouroboros and what it was. (laughs) So, uh, Freya, can you explain what we saw in that box? Sorry, remind me what that was again. Okay, so we, we look in there, and it's, like, this childlike embryo in, like, this, like, what was it like a yellow cell of some kind within the box and it was it's
4: like a It looked like
3: they were
2: growing yeah. a child. Yes. Like they were yeah. growing
7: humans in there.
2: Yeah, like they were cloning something. Bio- that's Engineered. Doctor, yeah, bioengineered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what so do we ever Do do you think next season we're gonna find out what Ouroboros really is? Is it gonna play more of a pivotal role this time? I think
5: it will, yeah. It was so mysterious and secret, um, that I definitely think it will come up in the second season.
2: Good, because mm-hmm. I want to find out, like what, what the heck? Like, I wonder if even uh, Roman and Letha's child is a part of this project too. Like, I, I'm thinking that Price may have had a hand in what happened between them. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. perhaps. Okay. Any, anything else? That any other topics that we want to talk there's about? there's just
4: a couple things. More references to birds. Yeah, oh. yeah. That um, when uh, Norman's talking to Letha, that they he said the line to everything. There is a season which is Ecclesiastes, um, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And I actually <laughs> looked that up, and it's just about um, there's a purpose for everything, and even, like, everything that's going on in Hemlock Grove. And then Letha mentioned, she's like, no, it's the birds, the the actual
7: singing uh, artist group. So just know. another reference to birds. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought... F- I didn't think that Norman was going to go through with leaving his wife after Letha died. Because I was like, you know, Mm -hmm. last time when he said he was going to do it and then got home and she was pregnant, so then he didn't. And then this time he actually went through with it. I thought that was a little cold.
0: Yeah, I agree. That that's where I still like am stuck on this theory that she's like because yeah. she always pulls his chin and looks in his eyes, and then he makes decisions that um, Olivia does to Norman. Like I thought it was interesting that at the beginning, or, or that he um, not the beginning, but he sells all of his shares to the Godfrey you know institute, so he has no LOD, part of it. Lod. Yeah, Lod. yeah, which was price right or to, to Olivia?
2: Uh, no, it was is that the bishop? Yeah, I, I think so. They,
0: yeah, it was the bishop. Yeah, yeah. They, so, they signed the
4: shareholder sales agreement. So
0: now it's just the bishop and Roman that share the company together. Yeah, yeah so it's like he did that, and then I thought it's very cold that for him to go through with leaving his wife mm-hmm. after his daughter just passes away. I mean, mm-hmm. just dies. So I... I Still, that's why. And then when she looks in his eyes and tells him, "You know, time to go to bed now," and he yeah. just immediately turns and goes. It's not like a if he have been waiting to leave his wife for so long. Don't you think he'd finally be like, "Oh, we're you know, we're together, or we'll go to bed together, or I don't know." I just still, I'm, I'm keeping my theory for next season <laughs> she's somehow like brainwashing him a little bit, or, you know, or what you just called yeah, it, yeah, not actually, the glamour. Yes, I, I agree. Doing too. that to yeah, him, I totally agree.
2: Yeah, that's what I feel like, too. I don't feel like he really 100% wanted to leave his wife. I feel like just the the whole episode, he was so desensitized... And once he gets in there, it seems like he's just zombified, yeah. right? He just, yeah. Yeah. She, and she even whispers to him like, "Yeah, go up, go up to our room." And he's just like, "Bump, bump, bump," like <laughs> trotting up the yeah. stairs, like he like he doesn't really care, like he wasn't even excited about being with Olivia mm-hmm. now,
0: and kind of yeah. giddy about it. And then they had the car scene, and I can't remember like like when he's saying making jokes about kind of what he's about to do to his wife, and I just thought, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know, know if I buy that a guy in his profession and his stature would be really kind of acting like this in that situation yeah, if it's actual so. genuine love between those two yeah I agree uh, um, another
4: thing the the line that Olivia says to Roman that you're not a warrior you are a dragon mm-hmm. and I, it just it was interesting because dragons like a huge serpent and then you know serpent snakes that's evil and even dragons have wings and Roman Ooh. is an angel so mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. I think that's just uh, there's a lot of symbolism there
2: oh mm-hmm. I like that yeah. I like that yeah. dragons yeah. with wings thing <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a good one Oh man, let's go ahead and jump over to our news <laughs> and gossip. <laughs> After Buzz TV news. Well, I only got one thing to say. I I saw a tweet from on Hemlock Grove's Twitter account, and they, they retweeted Eli Roth, and he said, we're gonna, "Thanks so much, fans, for the you know the demand, and we're gonna rock out with season two next year." Woo! Yes, I'm so excited. So,
4: I, that's I, awesome. Yes, I'm very thrilled. I, I gotta say. Um, Dean A. O'Dell, who, you who know, we talked to a couple of weeks ago, he tweeted me, and he's like, Breaking news, breaking news, Hemlock Grove got renewed for season two. I was literally working, and the, my three other co-workers, are Phil, Kathy, and Steven, they were in the same room, and I was like,
3: yes! <laughs> <laughs> and they
4: all looked at me for like a good five seconds straight. I'm like, Hemlock Grove just got renewed. And then I'm like, I just walked out. She's not lying. Seriously, yeah. she went from like a
8: one to a ten in personality.
2: <laughs> yes.
4: so Steven, as my witness, I just literally yelled out loud in excitement it was awesome so I'm so happy it's coming back for season 2
2: how excited are you Fran
5: Uh, yeah I'm super excited to see all the mysteries that are hopefully going to be solved and answered
2: and hopefully you're going to be uncovered. Christina's going to be
7: dug up.
5: (laughs) We'll see. Um,
7: I have a bit of news and gossip. Well, I mean, now that the season's over, I plan to go back and do a marathon watching of all 13 episodes. And I found a Hemlock Grove um, drinking game um, online. Someone else created it. So if you're over 21 and you want to have some fun, um, some of my favorite things to drink to are whenever Olivia wears a different white outfit, um, (laughs) whenever someone vomits... Whenever Roman touches his hair, or there's <laughs> nudity, or um, if someone drinks out of a flask alone or otherwise, normally in a car. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's just some of them. You can find all the roles on FamousMonsters.com. So, that's what i will be doing this weekend. <laughs> if I could add
2: something to that game, if you see anything that you think is awkward or weird, yeah. <laughs> you could drink. Or if you see any signs of incest, you could
3: drink. Yes.
0: I got Light one too. Or of anything that makes the like, or bores, the ring, su- yeah. yeah, or like the glass and all those things we saw throughout the season. Roman Dr. did it this time on the car window oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes he did if you
8: see Dr. Price not talking into a tape recorder <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: um, uh, I read another thing that uh, season 2 we know is coming back it's slated for 10 episodes this time instead mm-hmm. of uh, 13 and it's supposed to be streaming on Netflix in the year 2014 so next year Okay. Yeah.
0: And for us Dexter fans, they pulled one of the executive producers from Dexter. I read. Ooh, yes. Fascinating.
4: Charles H. Egley, yes. who was executive producer, and, and he's now going to be the showrunner. He's the new Darren.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Any other news and gossip? No. Let's move into our predictions.
1: And now, your After Buzz TV prediction. Addiction.
2: I feel like Christina
8: is going to be <laughs> brought back from the dead. Can I throw out a yeah. prediction, guys? Yes, Stephen. Because I, w- I want you guys to think about this while you do yours. <laughs> the way they film the scene after the credits, I feel that Michael, Dr. Chasseur's brother, is going to be looking into what happened to Dr. Shasur and that scene is him actually walking up towards Christina's grave to dig her up. Ooh. Mm. That's, that's are we going to see Christina renewed
3: <laughs> that's interesting okay.
2: thank that's you Stephen you that's have different. given me something to ponder uh, I feel like uh, I want to throw in kind of Tiana's thing that she said where, where she's going to turn into a wolf while she's in there and like dig herself I out because she's going to be a lot stronger it, it would make more sense
0: yeah. I want to see that one <laughs>
4: yeah. I think that'd be Pop a nice yeah. in- introduction into season two Yeah. Just yeah. Just, I
2: think I feel like we're going to actually get to see what the baby looks like, and Mm -hmm. the baby will um, age during the next season. We will get to see it grow up a little bit, maybe. Um, We're going to find out what Ouroboros actually is. And uh, Roman is going to become the tyrannical ruler of Godfrey Industries. I kind of said that already. Yeah. And uh, I think Sworn is going to kill himself with a suicide bomb attack.
4: <laughs>
2: oh, really? Yeah. All that C4? Yeah. He was, why was he putting all that yeah. C4 together?
4: Because, all right, I think that Sworn is going to use the C4 to maybe blow
2: up White Tower. Yeah, because he or did s- mention uh... something
7: about he should just go over there and like blow up the White Tower mm-hmm. with Price in it.
2: But also, mm-hmm. he has nothing else to live for. Like he, yeah, he, why he not? just he resigned his commission as sheriff. His both of his daughters are dead, and we see him in his dark, damp basement making all that C four stuff. Come mm-hmm. on, he, mm-hmm. he's gonna probably go kill him off himself too, just to show up the Godfrey family.
4: I have a few predictions, and I can actually give predictions yeah. this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Michael will roll into t- into town, and he's gonna have a throwdown with Roman because he thinks Roman killed his sister. Um, Shelley's gonna come back Maybe mm-hmm. she will have Because in the newspaper it says that she's an heiress too So maybe she'll have some profit In the company Maybe have some shares um, Another one the, uh, the biotech baby is alive in, in contrast to the biotech babies I think we're gonna have Adult biotechs as well Because we see Chassour mm-hmm. Letha and Olivia Their bodies are, are gone Price has them, or at least we're so we think. So I think we're going to see adult biotech um, adults as well. And, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um,
7: I'm liking everything that's been said so far, so I'll <laughs> piggyback off of those. I also think that with Olivia being reported missing, I think that Norman's going to go back home to his wife. Um, and I think that Peter will be coming back to Hemlock Grove and that him and Norm- him and Roman will continue their bromance because I still don't think that Roman's going to be like super bad, but I do think that he's, I'm taking it as he's being, he's manning up now because his mom's gone and Shelly's gone. So he's like, I got to take care of business. So he's going to be in there taking care of business. And then Peter's going to come back in and they're going to be all like bromantical and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm agreeing with all of you too. And because and I, I think you have to have Peter come back. Yeah. I was trying to think what the, what it would be like if he was gone. And I'm like, well, so much of the season was about the bromance if you don't bring him back. <laughs> but so I think he's going to come back. And I think what I thought was going to happen off season, where it was going to be more of like the bishop versus, I didn't think the two wolves would be the, the climax, the, like the huge part of the. Um, like, the ending, I thought it would be somehow the... Um, and I'm freaking... League of Dragons? Why am I not wanting to... Order, order of the order Dragons. The dragons? Like, I knew it wasn't right, but I cannot think of it today. L-O-D. That's why yeah, you were thinking of League yeah, of Dragons. it threw me off. Um, yeah, I still think there's going to be some war with the... And especially now that we saw the bishop telling him, you know, Chasseur's brother, that it was, you know, Roman that killed it. I think it's setting it up for um, a fight with them. And I think Peter will come back and join Roman's side for that. And I think with Olivia being gone, I think... That um, she is putting Norman in a trance, and I think there's going to be a point where he wakes up to it and he's going to come back as powerful and kind of fight against things as well.
4: You know, I actually um, I think opposite of the bromance between Roman and Peter. I think Peter's going to come back and we're going to see the disintegration of their bro- bromance, mm-hmm. and there's going to be that traditional uh, upiers versus Gypsies quarrel that they've had for like centuries. So I think maybe we'll get a taste of that instead. To see them, I
7: want to see them break the cycle. <laughs> it's like, yeah. don't, be, don't be like don't, your ancestors. Break yeah. the cycle. Start something new. Maybe we'll see that.
8: I think For- since we see Peter, Peter sees Shelley at the end, I think Shelly's going to communicate with Peter the same way she did with Roman in the coma and kind of try to get Peter to help her. And I think that Roman is going to get addicted to the same drugs that Olivia was on.
4: Ooh. Yeah, and we're going to find out Olivia's drug problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was very we mad. Kind at of Peter. like brushed that. Up, yeah, guess, yeah. Sorry. And I was also mad Peter didn't pick her up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Come on, you're leaving town. Like you could just at least be like, ah, get in the car." <laughs> right.
2: For, uh, any predictions from you? Anything um, that you can say?
5: I think all of those are great. I, yeah, I would love to see what. Olivia was all about and then you know what's happening to Peter where's he going and and when is he going to come back
2: great well uh, that about does it for us here at After Buzz TV's Hemlock Grove podcast but, season one Aww. yeah season one all gone <laughs> next year we'll be here for season two hopefully mm-hmm. and I uh, wanted to thank Freya Tingley for being here thank you so much for joining us for your second visit <laughs> yes. thank you having. Thank you. For, it was so great to have your insight and helping us discuss um, the episodes so thanks
4: yeah and a special thank you to all the guests that thank we've had cool. in the past uh, weeks you know Gonyadio um, Freya, of course, twice Dean mm-hmm.
8: Lori Fortier
2: you know,
4: Lori Famke, um, of course Darren Darren, Darren. Uh, Joel uh, Joel De
8: La Fue
7: <laughs> I, I'm <Yeah>. like literally <laughs> like trying to, to, I'm like try to remember
2: who we had yeah. and special
7: thanks to I David David Sturgeon so, yeah. and
2: also uh, publicist Maria yeah, right? and Maria
4: Candida thank you so much we couldn't have had all these amazing people come in and talk with us if it wasn't for her so shout out to Maria
0: and thank you, Marissa, for rounding uh-huh. this all up as well, because of all yeah. your hard work, you yep. wouldn't have had this either. And yes. happy
7: birthday, JJ! Yes, happy birthday, oh, JJ! JJ. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Season 2 of Hemlock Grove, the best birthday present ever. <laughs> okay.
2: If you guys would like to follow us, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at sean austin
4: I am on Twitter and on Instagram, at tv. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at
5: TweetT22.
0: And I'm at jurgens on Twitter.
5: And I'm at Instagram and Twitter at Tingling.
2: Thanks so much, guys. We'll buzz with you next year.
1: (laughs) From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network.